You're listening to Story Arc, stories that flood your imagination with inspiration. Episode 2, Adventures You'll Never Forget. Hey everybody, my name is Chris Thompson. Welcome to Story Arc. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We want to thank you for stopping by. The Story Arc podcast is produced every two weeks for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at our website at blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Story Arc Podcast and also on Facebook. All links are in our show notes. And now, let's get into the show. I want to first start out this episode by saying thank you to all of you architects and listeners. You have absolutely made our first episode a huge success. The reviews that you have sent in and the emails we have received have really made this podcast even more enjoyable to produce than it already was. And so from me to you, let me extend a huge thank you from all of us here at StoryArk. We are grateful for your love and support. We are excited for you to hear the next two stories we have coming your way this week. Both stories are from talented writers who love the fantasy genre of literature. The first is about a female adventurer trapped among the ruins having to face down one last evil. Will she survive, or will she be taken down by the shadows that lurk behind every building? The second story is about a female elf who leaves home and thinks that on the other side of the forest is a better way of living life. Little does she know the perils that await her, and the new friends that she'll meet along the way. I can't wait for you to hear both of them. If you like what you hear today and would like to possibly hear one of your own stories featured in the future, head on over to our website at blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. Use the story arc tab and find the submissions page. The page will guide you through the rest from there. And without any further ado, prepared to be inspired by our first of two great stories. Liliardwin's Rescue by Ren Schaefer Lily Ardwin shoved her way through the brambles, leaving the path of her village behind. The threads of her loose homespun skirt snagged on the thorns, but she roughly yanked them free, taking pleasure in the damage she caused with every jerk. She tossed her long auburn hair over her shoulder with an air of superiority and continued forging her way through the woods. I don't need them. They need me. They need me to cook and clean and mend. Do this, Lily Ardwin. Do that, Lily Ardwin. Lily Ardwin, did you do your chores today? Lily Ardwin, did you clean your room? The voice in her head was a shrill, mocking version of her mother's. Now, Lily Ardwin, you know your mother loves you. I love you, too. But you must take care of your responsibilities. We must be able to depend on you to do your part. Now it was her father's voice, in its deep, oafish tones. Her hair snagged on a low-hanging branch, and she struggled for a few minutes trying to free it. That's all they cared about. My part. They didn't care about me. They didn't care about what I wanted. Well, fine. I care about me, and now I can do what I want. Her hair was more snarled now than when she had started untangling it. In her fury, she tried yanking her head away. Ow! She cried in pain, blinking back the tears springing up in her eyes. Naughty! Look! It's one of those people from the village! A light, breathy voice said from behind Lily Ardwin. She turned around quickly, trying to see from her awkward angle who had spoken. Who's there? Lily Ardwin called out, scanning the trees and undergrowth. Something tugged on her pants, and she tried to jump away, but her hair held firmly. I'm KK, the voice said again, near Lily Ardwin's knee. She looked down and saw a creature she'd only heard about in stories. 
A messy tumble of hair was perched on top of its head, twigs sticking through it at odd angles. Two brown antennae poked through the mess and curled gently forward. Shiny black eyes peered at her, and a bright smile wreathed her face. Lily Ardwin could just make out the edge of the wing carapace over its shoulder. She'd never seen a woodling before, and stared at it, raking her eyes over its strange mossy clothing and shoeless feet. She looks like she's trying to copy her hairdo, sister. A lower-pitched and louder voice came from the side, and Lily Ardwin turned to see the second person mocking her. This one had a short, messy hair and black antennae, but the same sparkling eyes. Well, she's going about it all wrong. Listen, you put the twigs in your hair, not your hair in the twigs. (laughs) Kiki giggled, and her brother Naughty laughed with her. You're just going to stand there and laugh at me? Go away. I don't need your help. Lily Ardwin fumed, waving her arms at them. Help! Do you want help? I can do that. Kiki's carapace opened and transparent wings unfolded to lift her high enough to untangle Lily Ardwin's hair. The snarl was so bad that Lily Ardwin couldn't turn to see it anymore, and she just had to stand there, bent over, staring at Naughty. Naughty stared back, grinning fiendishly. What are you doing back there? What's taking so long? Lily Ardwin demanded. Untangling your hair. What's your name? Kiki asked cheerfully. Lily Ardwin na- Just Lily Ardwin. All done, Lily! Kiki sang. Lily Ardwin stood up, grinding her teeth at the nickname. But since the woodling had helped her out, she let it go. What are you doing out here, Lily? Naughty said. That's none of your business. Now if you don't mind, I'll be going. Lily Ardwin sniffed, raised her chin, and marched off. I wouldn't go that way. Kiki said, flying behind her. Oh yeah, not that way. Naughty agreed. Why are you following me? Go away! Lily Ardwin paused, then added. What's this way? A dragon! Kiki said, zipping around her. Yeah! Her brother chimed in. A big one, with scales! Green scales! It breathes fire! So much fire! It'll eat you! Kiki added, before dissolving into a fit of giggles. (laughs) Naughty laughed, then chased his sister through the trees, pretending to be a dragon. Did anyone ever tell you two that you're very annoying? Lily Ardwin grumbled. But they either didn't hear her or they ignored her, just like everyone always ignored her. She kept walking in the same direction, their warning obviously a joke. Eventually, Lily Ardwin got tired of walking and sat down with her back against a tree. She rummaged through her satchel and pulled out a water skin and a handful of trail rations. Ooh, food! Kiki cried, running over to sit next to Lily Ardwin. Can I have some, Lily? Why don't you go home and get some from your mother? Lily Ardwin asked, tearing off a bit of dried meat. Home's too far away, and I'm hungry now, Kiki said piteously. Lily Ardwin rolled her eyes, then tossed her bag at the woodling. You did help me out. I guess you can have some of my food. Naughty! Food! Kiki shouted at her brother. The two woodlings rummaged through her bag, amiably fighting over the berries and nuts she had. They finally settled down, both satisfied with their lot, and they ate merrily. Why aren't you at your home? Won't your parents be worried about you? Lily Ardwin asked. No! Kiki said in her sing-song voice, shaking her head. We're all grown up! But you're so little. And immature. Lily Ardwin insisted. We're woodlings. Naughty said, a berry falling out of his stuffed mouth. Yeah, woodlings! Kiki agreed, vigorously nodding her head. Hmm. Lily Ardwin said, ending the conversation. Lily Ardwin walked farther on, still in the direction of the supposed dragon lair. Her legs were beginning to ache from all the hours over rough terrain. She began looking for a stream to camp by, and found one just as the air began to take on a golden glow. She started gathering sticks to make a fire, and the woodlings pitched in to help, 
but spent more time pitching the sticks at each other instead. When the pile of twigs were arranged to Liliardwin's liking, she held her hands out toward it and closed her eyes. It was hard work blocking out the incessant nattering of her unwanted companions, but she did eventually manage to harness enough energy to light the fire. Wowie wow! You can do magic! All elves can do magic. Liliardwin scoffed. She tossed larger branches onto the fire, then got up and cleared a section of earth of all the tiny twigs and pebbles. She lay down, pillowing her head on her hands, and wished she'd remembered to bring a cloak. Nadi and Kiki curled up nearby, the light from the campfire illuminating their patterned carapaces. Liliardwin studied them for a while, trying to ignore the chill as the temperature dropped. Nadi's beetle back had diagonal and horizontal stripes and varying shades of brown, creating interesting triangle and diamond shapes. Kiki's was lighter, her pattern softened with speckles of white. Her mind drifted back to her village, wondering if her parents were doing all of her chores for her, and if they'd finally realized just how much they'd been asking of a 15-year-old girl to do. It didn't matter anymore, anyway. She was never going back there to be their slave. She was free now. She squeezed her eyes shut and refused to think about her old life anymore. Sleep was long in coming, and when it did, it was only in fitful bursts. Liliardwin shot up, her senses not recognizing her surroundings. Where am I? Where are my parents? As she blinked her eyes at the two childishly round faces peering into hers, yesterday's memories came flooding back. She scowled at them, and then stomped off to the stream to splash some water on her face. She slept much later than she normally would have back home. The sun was entirely above the horizon. Birds sang and called to each other in the branches spreading over her head, and squirrels and rabbits forged nearby. Liliardwin's stomach growled, and the beauty of the morning was lost to her. She stalked back over to the little camp and snagged her bag off the ground. It was empty, but for a few nutshells and berry stains at the bottom. She whirled to face the two woodlings. Really? You ate all my... Oh. On a flat rock next to the smoking ashes, there was a leaf piled high with provender. The amount there was more than Liliardwin had brought with her, and some of the berries were different from the ones that grew near her village. Kiki stood on one side and Nadi on the other bright smiles on their faces. We woke up way before you did and got breakfast for everyone, Kiki said. I even got the water, Nadi added, holding up the dripping water skin. Thanks, Liliardwin said grudgingly. She hesitantly walked toward them, examining the food. You gave us food yesterday, so we'll give you food today, Kiki explained. Liliardwin searched the woodling's face, but found nothing but guileless friendliness. She nodded at her, then helped herself to some berries. After breakfast, Liliardwin set off in a random direction that continued to lead away from her home. Where are we going? Nadi asked. Somewhere. Liliardwin answered. Somewhere where? Kiki said, flying backwards directly in front of Liliardwin's face. I don't know, just somewhere. Somewhere away from my village. She exclaimed angrily. But that's anywhere. Kiki replied. No, it's anywhere but her village. Nadi argued. Why are you trying to get away from your village? Don't you like it there? Don't you like your family? They don't like me! Liliardwin shouted, and then she ran. She tore through the undergrowth, jumped fallen logs, and stumbled over loose rocks under her feet. She ran until the stitch in her side was too painful to ignore, then slowed. Of course, Kiki and Nadi were right behind her, flying just above off the ground. Liliardwin was at the foot of a drop-off, roots from the trees at the top weaving in and out of the dirt wall. She studied it, bent over with her hands on her knees, until her heart slowed and her breathing was under control. 
Her life was her own now, and she could do what she wanted. Right now, she wanted to climb this cliff. She traces a likely path with her eyes, deciding which roots were sturdy enough to pull on, and which ones were going to give way. She walked forward, swinging her arms in preparation, then reached up and grasped a promising root. Her feet scrabbled in the soft earth for purchase as she tried to pull herself up. Slowly, she gained inches until she could reach the next root. I don't need anyone, she thought. I can make it on my own. She looked down, searching for a good place to support herself with her feet. Climbing this was much harder than it looked. Some of the roots pulled out the dirt. Some of the rocks tumbled down to rest on the forest floor. How can the top still look as high as before I'd even started? Why did I even try to do this stupid thing in the first place instead of just walking around it? Come on, Lily! You can make it! Kiki called from above. Lily Ardwin could just make out the hopeful face peering at her from over the edge. Why won't they just leave me alone? Why won't they just go away? I want to be alone. She thought angrily. Not that much farther. You're almost there. Nutty said from beside her, hovering in midair. She tried to block out their encouragement, but couldn't. Their actions were just too confusing to her. Why would anybody want to spend time with me at all? Let alone as much as these two have. She shook her head to herself and kept climbing. Her hand finally reached the top, and she could feel little fingers wrapping around her wrist to help pull her over the edge. Kiki wasn't strong enough to make any difference, but Lily Ardwin smiled anyways. She kept her face hidden by the cliff until she could get her emotions under control. She flopped onto her back, letting out a woof of air as Kiki and Nadi flopped down next to her. She was sweaty, filthy, and panting, but strangely, her chest didn't feel tight anymore. When she finally caught her breath, she pushed herself up and examined her companions. Do you happen to know where a pond or river would be? Some place with a lot of water? She asked when they looked at her. Sure! Kiki said, jumping up. Oh yeah, there's a pool with a waterfall not too far from here. Nadi added. Let's go! Kiki shouted, taking off through the trees. No fair, I wasn't ready. Nadi called after her, shooting up from the ground. Wait, if you go after her, I won't know where the waterfall is. Lily Ardwin said. Oh, all right. Nadi smiled at her, and she gave him a little smile back. Kiki eventually came back, and they made their way together to the waterfall. When they got there, Lily Ardwin took a moment to enjoy the tranquil beauty of the pool. The water was deep and clear, with fish longedly swimming under the surface. Light shone through the trees and beams, sparkling on the dust motes drifting through the air. She found a nice flat rock on the water's edge and stripped off her dirty clothes, then waded into the water to bathe. The woodlings flew above her, skimming down to splash each other in turn. Lily Ardwin joined in, and they all basked in the joy of the moment. Afterwards, Lily Ardwin pulled herself back onto the flat rock and dried in the late afternoon sunshine, combing through her hair with her fingers. Kiki and Naughty took her clothes to shake out, then chased each other with them, weaving in and out of the trees and laughing. When she was dressed, Lily Ardwin made another fire and lit it with her magic. They ate the food left over from breakfast and settled down to sleep. Lily Ardwin found it even more difficult to fall asleep than the previous night. She hoped her parents weren't too worried about her. Tears ran down the side of her face into her pointed ears as she shivered in the chill night air. She rolled over and curled into a tight ball and then finally drifted off. The next morning had the three discussing where to go and Kiki convinced Lily Ardwin to go with them to a neighboring woodling settlement. They left their campsite in high spirits, Kiki and Nadi chasing each other as usual, and Lily Ardwin followed behind with a light and easy step. Lily, look! 
Kiki said, bringing her a bouquet of pink, orange, and white flowers. She laughed as Lily Ardwin took them and smiled. Thank you, Kiki. They're very pretty. You're welcome! She sang as she shot up through the canopy. Lily Ardwin buried her nose in the blooms, inhaling deeply. She always yelled at people for calling her Lily, but secretly, they were her favorite flower. A scream from up ahead cut through the woods and split Lily Ardwin in two. Was that naughty? What happened? She burst into a sprint, heedless of the briars and vines getting in her way. She skidded to a stop, her mouth agape at the sight in front of her. Naughty was bound by thick, heavy ropes around his arms, legs, and torso. A wad of cloth was being shoved into his mouth, and he tried to squirm away on the ground. Kiki was caught in a burly man's arms, one wrapped firmly around her chest and arms, the other clamping a beefy hand over her face. Her wings hadn't folded properly, and they were being crushed and bent with the carelessness of the bandit. Liliardwin nearly charged down the hill, but stopped herself as she took in the larger scene. There were at least seven men, most much larger than her, armed with a motley selection of weapons and armor. Two were on horseback, and two more horses were pulling a cage wagon behind them, packed with woodlings. There was no way she could fight them all off and break her friends free, then rescue the ones in the cage. She hid behind a tree and watched as Kiki and Naughty were shoved into the cage with the others, then as the bandits continued along the path. A rider led the way, followed by the large man that caught Kiki. They were laughing and joking about the prices they'd get for their new finds after they sold them to a local carnival for a sideshow attraction. Liliardwin ground her teeth as she let them pass, then studied the rest of the brigands. Three had swords, poorly cared for by the looks of their hilts and scabbards. Two had axes, one had a bandolier of two daggers, and one had a short bow. Armor consisted of a few ill-fitting helmets and a chestplate or two, buckled loosely for comfort. The horses weren't much more than sacks of skins and bones, their knotted manes nearly dragging in the dirt from their bowed heads. The wagon was the last in the train, and Liliardwin could see Kiki and Naughty lying on their sides among the feet and legs of the others, bound by ropes and looking hopeless. She didn't dare bring attention to herself by being seen, but she thought for just the briefest of moments that their eyes met hers as they passed. Liliardwin allowed herself to panic for a few minutes once the group was out of sight. Her heart in her throat, she followed the road from the cover of the trees, keeping far enough back that she could only barely hear the creaking of the wagon wheels and the derisive laughter of the men. In her hands were the crushed remains of the lilies. She noticed them and put them in her satchel gently. The day passed slowly, every moment fraught with tension and fear. Every branch cracking, every bush rustling, sent Liliardwin startling like a rabbit. She didn't stop to eat. She didn't look away to get a drink from her skin. And as the sun finally began to set, the noise from the slavers rose as they made camp and argued about chores. Liliardwin slowly crept closer, crouching low behind the underbrush. When she could see them, she picked a likely-looking tree and climbed high enough to keep an eye on them, but to pass the time unnoticed. As she watched them settle down, a plan began to form in her mind. The cage was held shut by a large iron padlock, and the key to which was slung on its leader's belt. Woodlings could fly, so if they could be freed, she wouldn't have to worry about the large group of people escaping through the forest. Liliardwin chewed on a fingernail as she thought. She had a dagger, but there was no way she could kill so many people, let alone even one. Just the thought of slitting someone's throat or stabbing them in the eye made her stomach turn. It was a good thing it was empty. She did have magic, however, but she was only just coming into her power, elves reaching their magical maturity years after their physical maturity. The things she could do reliably were small, but useful. 
She could start little fires. She could sense if something was alive or dead. She could pull some water from the air. She could cause a zephyr to stir in the grass. And she could turn a meager patch of packed dirt into sand. The bandit sat up late into the night, drinking something so foul she could smell it even from her high perch. Two of them nearly got into a fight, but the largest man knocked their heads together hard enough they both slumped to the ground and began snoring. They won't be waking up anytime soon, Lily Ardwin thought. That leaves five. She checked on the wagon at the edge of the firelight. The woodlings were huddled up together for warmth, a few sleeping while others kept watch. They hadn't been given anything for dinner or been let out to relieve themselves. It didn't really matter, though. If things went as planned, they'd be free before the morning. Lily Ardwin had to fight off her fatigue, even with as tight as her nerves were strung. One by one, the men fell asleep, rolled up in their cloaks or moth-eaten blankets. One man kept watch by the fire, but didn't bother paying attention to anything but his grog and his whittling. The leader, the one with the key, was also one sleeping in front of the cage. She was going to have to take the key, then get him to move. Better not wait any longer. She climbed down carefully, trying not to shake the branches and draw attention of the man on watch. She'd pause and look over at him, then climb down another branch before checking again. Finally, her toes reached solid ground. She released the last branch as well as a large sigh. She tiptoed her way carefully over sticks and piles of leaves, circling her way around to the far side of the wagon. She motioned to the few woodlings who were awake, trying to tell them she was there to set them free. They seemed to understand her hand signals because they nodded and said nothing. Hidden in the shadows from the guard, she inched her way closer to the sleeping leader. His blanket had bunched up in his tossing, luckily exposing his belt in the key ring. Liliardwin had to be within touching distance to call fire, and if the man awoke before she was done, she'd die or worse. She'd heard the stories of slaves in the cities of men. She'd been told that some of them had been elves with their ears cut round. She slowly drew in a deep breath, looked one last time at her target, and then closed her eyes. She'd never called such a tiny fire before. It was really no more than a spark. Slowly, slowly, she moved it in a line across the belt, cutting through without catching anything on fire. She felt a leather belt give rather than hurt it. She let go of the power and then opened her eyes. The belt had been neatly sliced right next to the ring. There was only one key attached to it. Her hand, so close already, reached out feather light to pull the ring free. It slid effortlessly off the leather belt, and Liliardwin released her pent-up breath quietly. She inched backwards slowly, only taking her eyes off the sleeping man in snatches to check her direction. She glanced up at the woodlings from the shadows and could make out the shining black eyes in the dark, watching her unwaveringly. She motioned to them again, telling them to be quiet and wait, and they nodded, and she disappeared from sight. Now, to cause a distraction. She edged her way around the clearing until she was standing before the man on the watch. He was looking down at his handiwork, humming off-key to himself. Liliardwin looked around for a moment, then found a fist-sized rock. She picked it up and then threw it gracefully so it crashed into the brush on the other side. The guard looked up, his hands gripping the dagger more firmly. Liliardwin called the wind to rustle the leaves in the same location, making it look suspiciously like there was a larger animal hiding there. The man got unsteadily to his feet and staggered between his compatriots to check out the disturbance. Liliardwin swiftly went between all the sleeping men as she could reach, setting their pants, blankets, and coats on fire, then ran back for the trees. By the time the guard returned, many of the bandits were on the verge of suffering serious burns. He shouted and reached for the first liquid at hand, which unfortunately was his cup of grog. 
He unthinkingly threw it on his closest mate, which set the blaze to burning even higher. He shouted again, cursing his own foolish actions, and looked around for some water. The men began to rouse, then seeing they or their beds were on fire, began to yell and run around. The camp was thrown into utter chaos. Men were running into each other, knocking things over, getting tangled in blankets and harnesses. The horses began to neigh and rear, trying to back away from the flames. Lily Ardwin quickly made her way back to the wagon, hoping that all the ruckus would call the leader away from his post and keeping him from noticing his belt. He was gone by the time she got there, so she hurriedly fumbled with the key and lock. The woodlings were waiting nervously, and as soon as the padlock was free, they slowly pushed the door open so the creaking would be minimal. One by one, they climbed out and took off into the woods to fly away once out of sight. Kiki and Naughty were the last ones. The other woodlings had freed them from their bonds while Liliardwin was setting fires. The three of them ran into the woods together, Liliardwin checking over her shoulders to make sure their escape had not yet been noticed. Somehow there was even more little fires than she had set, and two of the men were still unconscious. Some of the others were dragging them to safety, while the leader of the guard was tossing buckets of water and stamping out the fires. She ran full out then, and didn't look back anymore. Nadi had no trouble flying, but Kiki's wings were still damaged from her capture, and she kept clipping edges of the trunks. Liliodwin caught her and carried her for a while as they ran, fear giving her fuel. She couldn't see any of the other woodlings, but she wasn't really looking for them either. Liliardwin ran until there was a stitch in her side and kept running. She ran until she stumbled over an exposed root and nearly fell on top of Kiki. She gasped for air, sprawled in the dirt as Kiki sat up and dusted herself off. Naughty, who'd been ahead of them, came rushing back. Lily, are you okay? He whispered. She nodded, still too winded to answer. The two woodlings sat next to her as she regained her breath and then pulled herself up. Let's hope we're far enough away for a rest, she said quietly. I think we are. Kiki replied, patting her hand. Thank you for saving us, Naughty said. And the others, Kiki added. And the others. Naughty agreed. Liliardwin just nodded her head. When the sun rose, it found the three very far away from the bandit camp. Unfortunately, the tracking yesterday and the escape through the night had thoroughly muddled Liliardwin's sense of location. She knew which way was home, but she had no idea how far away she was, and she desperately wanted to go there. The time spent walking, recovering from her dangerous rescue, she'd spent thinking about her mother and father. Why had I run away in the first place? Because I didn't want to help out? I didn't want to help out the people who love and care for me and want to be with me, even when I'm mean or nasty. Yet there I was, helping out two people I'd only met a few days ago, and a whole group of strangers, even when it meant my life was on the line, even when it meant possible capture or torture for me. My parents would never consider punishing me so harshly. She snorted at herself, half laughing, half disgusted. I can do what is expected of me when the stakes are incredibly high, but not when I'm asked politely. What is wrong with me? I need to go back. I need to make this right. Liliardwin was typically quiet through breakfast, but not with her previous air of anger and scorn. Lily? What's wrong? Kiki asked. I need to go back home. I need to fix something I might have broken there. She answered, looking down at her hands and picking the dirt out from under her nails. Why does that make you sad? Naughty asked. I'm not sure how long it's going to take me to get there. Oh, I know! Kiki cried, then laboriously flew above the trees. A few minutes later, she returned. It's not very far at all. I thought we were pretty close, but I wanted to check. The road and our escape took us in that direction, so you're about as far away as you were when we first met. 
Really? That's great, Lily Ardwin said, getting to her feet. You want to come with me? Sure, Nadi said, flying past her and circling around a tree a few times before returning. Let's go! The group of friends made their way through the forest, exhausted but happy. The trees ahead parted, opening into a sylvan glade, little houses dotting the meadow. From somewhere, Lily Ardwin found the strength to run, and she ran all the way home, followed by her friends. Lily Ardwin's Rescue was written by Ren Schaefer. You can find out more about future stories she's writing by emailing her at schaefer.ren at gmail.com. You can also find her on Twitter at Ren Schaefer. Narration for this story was done by Chris Thompson. You can find him on Twitter at DM underscore Chris One. And you can also find more of the podcasts that he is a part of at blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. Kiki was played by Emily Morgan, who is one of the co-hosts of the podcast She's a Super Geek. Nadi was played by Jeff Stormer. Jeff Stormer runs a podcast called Party of One Podcast. You can find his podcast at soundcloud.com slash partyofonepodcast. And you can also find him on Twitter at partyofonepod. And lastly, Lily Ardwin was played by Alyssa Thompson. You can find some of her music at soundcloud.com slash Alyssa Thompson. And you can also find a blog that she writes at alyssalin.wordpress.com. And now for our second story of the day. Among the Rubble by Kuro Sune. She stared deep into the burning embers flickering brightly, creating a stark contrast with the starless night sky they shone against. She didn't notice the heavy sigh that escaped her lips when she heaved herself upwards, hand instinctively grabbing onto the rusted iron rod that rested on the ruined wall she sat against not seconds ago. It was almost time. Her verdant green eyes focused on the embers a last time, shining almost as bright as the coals themselves. She pulled the hood off her head, revealing the long, dark locks matted against her forehead. The time for the luxuries of constant showers had long passed. The clothes underneath her robes were all stained with sweat, blood, and grime. She was stomping down the last of her once campfire, lost in thought when she first heard the sounds. Scrambling all around her, the noise of tiny feet scampering all around the ruins she took refuge in. She knew she was surrounded. The first glimpse of a dark shadow was caught precisely as it moved past the entrance of a destroyed building. The words Commerce Center Atlas rested above it in stainless steel. The image burned into her mind for some reason. She felt the ground throbbing at her feet as if she could feel the ruin's heartbeat echoing with her own. Muscles tensing up as the creatures kept moving around her, keeping her on her toes. Even against blinding darkness, she could feel her senses sharpening. Her eyes adjusted, her body surged with newfound energy and adrenaline pumped through her veins. She still quietly acknowledged the hope that they would simply move past her and leave her be. When the first leaped through the shadows towards her, she knew it wouldn't be the case. She brought the iron heavy and hard in a full swing, hitting the creature across its marble-like face. She felt its skin crack and crumble, the vibrations of her weapon carrying with it the full extent of the blow she had just delivered. The creature fell on the rotten wooden boards beside her with a large thud, dark blue lifeblood draining from its cracked features as it squirmed against itself. She looked almost pitifully at the creature a mouse-like being with skin smooth and black as stone. Its legs ended in sharp stone talons which currently flailed uselessly in the ground 
as the creature moved to get up, while its mouth opened and closed to blackened fangs as the creature wailed silently in pain. The Bahal had mouths, but they had ended in smooth black stone. When they tore flesh, they simply dropped it where they stood and they could not produce sound. Before it could stand to move again, she quickly delivered another blow to its head, and this time the creature laid motionless. The sounds around her ceased. The others retreated as they always attempted to hunt on the easy prey, but she knew they had not given up. Fishing the small flask out of her pocket, she took a long swig, features grimacing as the alcohol burnt its way down her throat, and then dampened a torn piece of cloth that lay nearby, wrapping it around a piece of rotten wood and setting it alight with her lighter. She held the impromptu torch in one hand and her rusted weapon in the other, taking in how well her situation reflected her. Just as the things in her hands, she was worn, rotten, rusted, broken down. But much like the things in her hands, she still was. And one last scampering sound let her know that she was certainly in need to move. Among the Rubble was written by Kuro Sune. You can find more of Kuro Sune's writings at reddit.com slash r slash kurosune. Or you can go straight to the Reddit account at reddit.com slash u slash kurosune. This story was read by Chris Thompson. You can find him at dm underscore chris1. You can also find more of the podcast he is a part of at blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. So that's our episode for you. We hope that you have enjoyed both the story of Lily Ardwin and her woodling friends Kiki and Nadi, as well as a look at an adventurer who once again must keep moving, because nowhere is safe. We would like to invite you to come back again and join us in two weeks for two new stories in our first ever horror-slash-thriller anthology. Trust me, you will not want to miss these, and hopefully they will inspire you in whatever creative avenue you find yourself a part of. If you would like to get in contact with us and tell us how you were inspired from this episode, head over to your email and type in storyarcpodcast at gmail.com, followed by your story of how you were inspired. We would honestly love to hear them. You can also check us out on Twitter, at storyarcpodcast, and on Facebook. Would you like to be a part of the action? Head on over to our website at blockpartypodcastnetwork.com and submit your own story under our submissions page. We would love to hear them. And once again, we hope that you spread the word about this podcast. Our goal here is to inspire as many talented listeners as possible, and only you can make that happen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode, and we will see you right back here again in two weeks. And until then, keep being inspired.